to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Communication in our organization can oftentimes either make us or break us. And what I mean by this is uh, if we have a good organization, a good company, and we improve the communication in our organization, it could take us from good to great by improving communication channels, uh, opening communication channels, having healthy uh, communication within our organization. But if we have a good organization and we uh, break down those channels of communication and we deteriorate those channels of communication, it could do just the opposite. It can tear down the organization because it removes alignment and it removes transparency uh, within the team members. And so communication uh, isn't just a buzzword that, that we all need to be aware of. It, it really can be a critical function to how successful our organization can be because it's sort of a foundational principle uh, across the organization. Good, healthy communication, how we're communicating, when we're communicating, what we're communicating about. So the communication is critical to the success or failure of any organization. And it's important for us to understand our communication styles. It's also important for us to understand the communication styles of those around us and how we can effectively communicate to them. On today's show, we talk through some of these things about what these communication styles are, um, some of the principles of of what we do to communicate and how we communicate. So uh, what I want you to really uh, take away from this week is, uh, you know, after you get done listening to this, think about some areas for you that maybe aren't your strongest communication um, styles, maybe some some things about the way that you communicate uh, that you know you need to improve on, or think about some people that you could go to and ask, "What can I do better in my communication style? How am I communicating? How does that come across?" So that you can learn where you can develop better, healthier communication styles for you and your leadership approach within your organization. Hope you enjoyed today's uh, episode. It's really going to be, um, it, it's really just a, just a strong message, great information that gets unpacked and so much that you could dive even further and further into. And I would encourage you to do that if you find this interesting. As always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribing to the show so you get the latest content. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. I've got my friends Liz Hewson and Mark Lund, uh, who have some great information for us on communication and the workplace and why this is so critically important to who we are and how our culture gets developed and um, and what this really means for uh, just sort of the personality of our organization. So really looking forward to diving into some of this with them. Um, they come to us today from New Jersey and uh, so really looking forward to, to hearing uh, how they can help you and your business develop healthy uh, transparent communication styles in your organization. So, uh, Liz and Mark, thank you so much for joining us. And as we dive in here, I'd love to learn more about um, just kind of your history, your background, and how you got to where you are now. Uh, and of course, as, as a gentleman should do, Liz, I'd love for you to go first. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having us here. Uh, so first, uh, we're, we're from Twin Lights Consulting, mm-hmm. and um, Mark and I are culture and communication coaches. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we met together in a uh, business coaching program and we, the business really came together because we saw a, a challenge 
in the workforce today really around communication. And it really came about because of technology and the younger generations coming into the workforce and having all these great technical skills, but not necessarily having the communication. You know, no more uh, salient a moment in history than now mm-hmm. is, a, uh, is an old um, quote that I'll paraphrase from George Bernard Shaw, which is the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. <laughs> yeah. um, we think we are good communicators. We think we do well. We think we have a, um, uh, a full duplex or an up and down the, uh, the chain communication. Mm-hmm. And we really, we really don't. Right. And there's a significant cost to that. Um, uh, on the neighborhood of about twenty to $25,000 per employee uh, for um, uh, small business owners. Um, if you get to businesses that are about 100 employees, the Society of Human Resources showed that on average, direct loss because of communication is $420,000 a year. Wow. So poor communication really hits the financial end but really most important is it's a, uh, it, it's a cancer and it leads to uh, um, a lack of employee engagement. It really leads to high turnover and uh, uh, disruption of, uh, of business processes. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark, tell us, how did you get, how did you get into this space? What, what prompted you to specialize in the communication aspect of business? So uh, my background actually is that I'm a physician. I spent nearly 30 years in, in healthcare, uh, predominantly um, in intensive care units and the operating room, where high-performing teams were needed. If uh, uh, if you're in a position that you don't have a, a high-performing team that communicates well, lives are lost in seconds to minutes. And um, uh, so I've really been doing this a long time. And when Liz and I met in the coach training program. Uh, we really decided looking at, uh, at our five kids. Uh, I have two boys, and she has uh, two boys and a girl. Uh, they're Gen Zs, and they're coming up into the workplace. And we really had a focus on wanting to add value to, to them initially. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to add value to those kids, then let's go ahead and let's add value to all kids. And then we said, well, who isn't someone's child, uh, even as we grow old. Right. Let's work on something that improves the life of everybody, mm-hmm. the business owner, uh, the business investor, uh, the manager or leader of a business, as well as the employees. And let's just do something good that puts some good out into the world and changes uh, uh, the face of um, where we spend most of our time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And so, Liz, what about you? What um, uh, you know? Obviously, Mark mentioned your kids, but is there is there sort of a is there a, a defining moment or something that's happened that um, that really kind of led you down this path of, of communication in the workforce? Well, I'll start by saying I was a um, a theater and public speaking major in college, so communication was always a big part of my life. I, yes. I was on stage with seven, so. Um, and then for years, I, I took years off to raise my family uh-huh. and honestly started really seeing a gap in communication as technology really stepped into my kids' lives. Yes. Yeah. So when, when Mark and I started talking, and again, we talk about our kids, it was us really saying, this is going to be a challenge moving forward in the workforce mm-hmm. because they don't want to, kids today don't necessarily want to pick up the phone and make a call. They definitely don't want to pick up the phone and make a call. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, young millennials, uh, maybe the, maybe the more mature millennials are comfortable with it, but the younger millennials really prefer to engage via email or text. Right. And 
when communication, when 55% of communication is body language and 38% is tonality, you're losing all that when you're texting and emailing. So we really saw it as, you know, when you build, when you start a business, you say, what's the problem and how can we solve it? Right. Well, the problem today is that because of so much technology, and again, technology is wonderful, we've really lost the ability and the skills to communicate. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kyle, um, the, uh, the interesting thing is that 66%, two out of every three employees are not engaged in the workforce. Yeah. They're at work, they're being paid, they're getting their benefits, but they're not engaged in what they're doing. Right. When we look at millennials, the number goes between 72 to 75 percent. And we have found that there's a very important paradigm, a methodology that, uh, that really builds uh, engagement. True, open, authentic communication builds trust. Mm-hmm. Trust builds commitment. Commitment creates engagement. And when you have people who are engaged, who are in an environment where there is trust, where there is open communication, uh-huh. where they believe in what is being said, what happens is, is that engagement goes up, and in that space, culture flourishes. Mm-hmm. And if you look at just the simple problem of three-quarters of the millennials, and again, we can't avoid millennials. Yeah. As of the end of 2020, yeah. What, 50%? Over 50% will be in the workforce. And again, yeah. it's not even you can't avoid them. We don't want to avoid no. them. They have a lot of yeah. amazing skills That's to bring right. to them. That's right. So, yeah, so I want to hit on that because, you know, you talk about that this um, pretty extreme number. I mean, you know, close to uh, around three quarters of millennials being unengaged. I've read Facebook. And Facebook clearly tells me it's because millennials are lazy and they don't want to work and they have no work ethic. So as a business leader, how is that my problem? Isn't that the millennials problem? Well, um, I think a lot of business owners who say that are going to have a hard time having their businesses grow and continue on because it really is, it's a problem all around. Let's put it that way. Uh, So for a business owner who is either Gen X or a boomer, we consider ourselves to be um, digital immigrants. And then the younger generations are the digital natives. So we need each other. We have the expertise and the wisdom, but the younger generations, they have the technology and all the skills that we don't necessarily have. So we actually do have to engage millennials and then up and coming Gen Xers in a completely different way. Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z's, I'm sorry, in a completely up and different, uh, completely different way in the workforce. And they want things like mentoring. They need training. Uh, They really need to have strong leaders that they can trust because honestly, what what we have learned, uh, millennials are being called lazy, but it's partly that they want this work-life balance. Right. Which frankly, who doesn't want to work? We all want that. Exactly. Yes, that's right. Especially, and that, that's what I try, and not not to interrupt you here, Liz, but that's what I try to impress upon people whenever they, when I hear them talk about that, because it's it's kind of like nails on a chalkboard for me when people complain about millennials, because my statement is always so that you want a better work life balance. They want um, uh, they want to kind of work for a cause and have a reason that they're getting up every day. Um, what person at thirty years old wasn't like that? I mean, weren't we all? The difference is we're being told by the rest of society, well, it's because they're different, because they're lazy, because of these other... No, it's really not. We all have been through those stages of our life. Um, I I sometimes fear that we are kind of uh, um, 
um, that we are projecting sort of like the self-fulfilling prophecy on this generation because mm-hmm. we're telling them they're this way. We're, we, we are then believing it. We are then them treating them this way. If a millennial, if a, if a 28-year-old shows up to my workplace 10 minutes late, am I going to treat them differently than a 58-year-old that shows up 10 minutes late? Because I've been told, well, this millennials is because they're lazy, but the 58-year-old, they probably had car trouble today. And so if we project that onto them, then, you know, it's easy to kind of take on that mentality. So I do think we have to be very, very careful how we define millennials, because it doesn't matter what generation. If you're a leader in the organization, you are there to lead the people in your organization and whatever, whatever you need to do to make that happen. Kyle, you are so right. And the fact is, is that many people don't honestly understand the difference between managing and leading. Yes. Yes. And leading is to have someone rise to the occasion, move forward, and it's got to be done from out front. You can't do it from behind. You can't do it by sitting in the C-suite. You've got to be out and be able to move and interact. Yeah. So leadership is, is one of the, the, the aspects. The, the second is that you've hit on something really important, and it is so important. I just want to pause for a minute. We have inordinate number of experts mm-hmm. who write books, who break down each of the generations over and over again into finer bits. I'm, I'm born in 1964. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, I am a baby boomer. But am I really that much different from someone born in 65 who is a Gen X? The right. answer is no, not really. It's a continuum. But we're all people and we have this desire. So what is created is this incredible sort of mental Rube Goldberg of how do I solve the problem between the generations when really it comes down to understanding human psychology. Yes. That's how we focused. We move into a place where we can keep it simple, where we go from self versus others, everyone else. Mm -hmm. And we have the ability, you know, or us versus them. How many horrific things were done to terrible, no, good human beings mm-hmm. for centuries because they were them. Right. We can do a lot of terrible things to them because it's not us. Right. We can do things to others because it's not self. If we bring people together and we move them, and it's actually not that difficult to really do. Mm-hmm. And you start to see someone else as like yourself, as part of your group, as part of your tribe. Right. Come together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the keys to making business work is to is to follow leadership, true leadership skills, understand that we need to bring people together because if they become like ourselves, then we're close. That means we have your back. Right. And no longer I'm going to do anything to get ahead. We're going to get ahead because we have each other's back. Yeah. Well, and what I love about that, you know, the the way that I like to to refer to that is that we, instead of putting people in a box of what generation they fall in, uh, is no different than putting people in a box because of what uh, political affiliation they have. We're putting them in a box because of what state or country they're from. Um, when we put people in this box, as opposed to recognizing certain characteristics of human nature or, or human psychology, as you put it, um, that's that's where I believe we need to be focusing our efforts more is what are the human nature and how do we look into this person and figure out what those what those commonalities are. And so going back to your point about that that flourishing culture and creating this culture, 
you know, one of the things that often gets talked about in culture is understanding our why. Like, what is it that brings us together in alignment, unified, um, working towards a common goal? So, you know, for, for the business leaders out there, especially that have multiple generations of their business. I mean, we could have, I'd, I'd once heard we have potentially five generations in the same workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in an organization where you have these generations in the workforce, what are some steps, what are some things that we can do to start consciously thinking about how we open up healthy channels of communication within the organization that can ultimately relate to all of these generations and, and uh, again, more, more specifically to the individuals that are in our organization that are part of our tribe, part of our culture? What Mark and I like to do is, is first, we really like to focus on the strengths of the employees in the organization. Everybody, whether you're a junior person in your first day on the job or you're senior and you've been there for 30 years, mm-hmm. everybody has certain set of strengths and skills that they can bring to the team. So understanding how you're valued. Everybody wants to be valued. People want to be seen, heard, and understood. They want to know that they matter. That's across the board. It doesn't matter if you're 25 or you're 65. Mm -hmm. So really focusing, whether you're a small company or a larger company, on on what strengths you bring to the team and understanding, then clarifying what the mission, vision, values are for that team. A lot of times... Uh, organizations think that their employees are all working towards a common goal. And you then individually ask each employee what the mission vision values are, and they don't know, or they have something completely different than what it is. Right. Right. It's about having clear communication and using the strengths and the skill sets that the employees have. Yeah. You know, the the, the other side is that um, Liz and I have four pillars and I don't want to go into these uh, too much, uh, unless it, it serves you, but the four pillars of communication are, are very straightforward. The first is the expressive communication, mm-hmm. expressing clearly, um, modeling the behavior, being authentic, open. The second is active listening. Mm-hmm. The best communicators are good listeners. They're not necessarily those eloquent speakers mm-hmm. because communication, most of it, again, is not the spoken word. Right. And in fact, when you start to think about the uh, active listening portion, most of us, most Americans listen to either retort or to simply reply and to try to make ourselves look good rather than understanding the background. Mm-hmm. The second is a component of that, or the third rather is a component of that, and that's uh, integrative thinking. And that integrative thinking is this concept that, you know, when the workplace was a very bland, sort of generic um, um, monolithic place, mm-hmm. we uh, maybe uh, we're okay, and I say maybe, mm-hmm. we're okay to have my way or the highway. Right. But now we have so many different people from cultures, genders, et cetera. What we really can do is tap into that incredible diversity of experience, of knowledge, uh, of, um, of having the blinders taken off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, uh, without going into story, the reason we have Alexis is because of a design, you know, uh, student, an artist who uh, asked questions because he wasn't an engineer and he wasn't in groupthink. Well, you talk yeah. about even um, in the medical world. Uh, in, in the ICU, you know, oh, sometimes yeah. the important diagnosis uh, comes from the medical student or the nursing student and not from right. the, the doctor or the senior doctor. Yeah. And that saved the life. So, 
you know, it's, uh, it's important to respect those opinions. It's sort of that six versus nine. Well, just because you're right doesn't mean doesn't I'm mean wrong. wrong. Yes, yes. And the last part is vulnerability. And, and this is where a lot of mm. leaders, particularly junior leaders or those who have not really had training, they, they are scared of being vulnerable. Yeah. And vulnerability is a huge leadership asset. It's very, very strong. And it takes some getting used to, but it engenders trust and humanity. And therefore, it connects people at a very specific and, and very special level. Yeah. Let's talk about that for just a second, because I think one of the things that scares people away from vulnerability, um, uh, maybe two things as it would come to mind. I mean, potentially one is actually being held accountable. And a lot of times leaders don't want to be held accountable. Um, but the other thing, <clears throat> I think as someone that's really uh, striving for solid leadership, the fear of vulnerability is 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 the concern that they're going to be seen as weak. So what's the difference between vulnerability and weakness in a leader? Vulnerability is, is somebody who's willing to show up, able to be sincerely trusted and has integrity. Whereas I would say a weakness would really be um, something that you're just frankly not, you're not good at. It's yeah. not really, you know, so that's what we talk about strengths and weaknesses. Well, I have plenty of weaknesses, but I also have a ton of strengths. Um, I could share them with you and that shows vulnerability. So it's really, you you know, there's, there's, there's an old story of leadership and I think uh, there's an important sense of vulnerability in here. There's an airplane crash and they all survive and they're on an Island. And the, uh, the one person says, look, you know, you have to go and get firewood. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. And they're a manager. Right. Next person steps up and says, you know, when we were coming in across the island, I thought I saw a fishing village and I thought I saw smoke. I think there's people over there. I'm not certain, but I'm very sure that of what I saw, and I believe that it really is a fishing village. Yes, we have to do those things, but let's go up. It's going to be a hard walk. Let's get ourselves set. and Let's start going there because if we find that fishing village, well, in that is leadership. It's visionary leadership. It's motivating people to move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's also the ability to say, I don't know what's on the other side, but we have to go there. I don't know that to be sure. But we can move forward together. And the ability to step up and to do a job and to lead forward your team without knowing what the results are, mm-hmm. that is also vulnerable. And it is true leadership. Yeah. That vulnerability of being able to truly let the humanity of you that none of us know what tomorrow is mm-hmm. no one looks so definitively what the outcome is, but to step out of our comfort zone right. and to admit that we're not comfortable mm-hmm. and it's forward because that's where growth takes place. Yeah. And really that's what you want to do. If you're a, a really good leader, it's not just about leading people forward. It's about creating new leaders. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to allow that person under you to also learn how to step out of their comfort zone. And by doing that, it also allows, uh, again, a more junior employee, uh, because they see this vulnerability, then they start to trust, then they have this, then the space is made open for them to be able to communicate their thoughts and their concerns right. and, and be able to, frankly, give feedback. A strong, vulnerable leader asks for feedback. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I think that is really important, the, the transparency of uh, a leader to... Uh, be willing to admit when uh, when they're right, uh, be willing to admit when they're wrong, be willing to admit when they don't know. The other thing I think that this does is it opens the door for um, other people in the organization to 
also admit when they're wrong or admit when they've made a mistake. Because if a leader, you know, the, the organization is going to reflect the leader. And mm-hmm. if a leader is never willing to admit that or makes excuses, well, then all you've, all you've created a culture, you've created an environment that tells people that's the way we handle things. We never admit that we are wrong. We never admit that we don't know. Um, instead, we make excuses. We uh, try to defend ourselves to the hilt. And so um, I, I do really like that. That's not something we hear much about today uh, is this concept of vulnerability and leaders um, because I think that people oftentimes believe that um, uh, that that strength and vulnerability uh, conflict, but really there's a lot of value and a lot of strength that gets created in being vulnerable. Um, so I, I commend you on on bringing that up, as because I think that that's an important part of our leadership uh, model that really just isn't discussed very often, and and can make a huge difference in um, the trust that is built in the organization when people are willing to be vulnerable and willing to admit uh, those weaknesses, those errors, those mistakes, or that they just don't know. Um, that that's a great point. You know, it's really amazing. I don't want to get down a rabbit hole here, but it's incredible, and and it's a real proof of concept. Is that if you look at a keto, there's a difference between strength and rigidity, mm. and and rigid usually never wins in a keto. Strength mm-hmm. of plasticity and movement do. So you can be incredibly strong by being vulnerable, by being plastic, by being bendable, mm-hmm. and by admitting those weaknesses, rather than trying to be so strong that you become rigid. And when you are rigid and you really get hit by some force, you typically break. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, that's a great illustration. Um, well, so uh, one of the other things that I want to dive into for just a moment here is, <clears throat> I know something that you talked about is is providing an honest path to direct communication, um, and then going into the you know the things that you had mentioned earlier, Mark, about how that then develops trust, creates commitment, and leads to employee engagement. But that concept of an honest path to direct communication um, that can kind of hit us between the eyes sometimes. Uh, because I think one of the big challenges that a lot of leaders have is direct communication. Um, you know, we have to be really careful with how we do that. And, and I think maybe starting with how we define that, because direct doesn't mean you're a jerk. Uh, mm-hmm. Direct means that, that the person receiving it understands what you are trying to explain and define. So how do we help someone understand? How do we help a leader um, um, create direct communication paths and direct communication channels to the people around them without it coming across, without it being a, I'm too, I'm direct. You know, some people try to use that almost like a rite of passage that, well, I'm just direct and to the point and you got to deal with it. But I I don't think that's exactly what you mean. But so talk to us about what direct communication really looks like. It looks like this. It's called having the brave conversations. Mm. Leaders can have the brave conversations they open space for people to then be able to explain how they're feeling, what's going on in their mind, uh, things that they're upset about or they're not comfortable with in the organization. Right. And once, once a leader, and it is scary for leaders to do this. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing for most people to have brave conversations. No. But once you open the door for it and other people, the other employees there start to feel like they have space to share their thoughts, their concerns, that's how you start to develop that honest path to direct communication because they now see that their leaders starting by having the brave conversations and everything starts at the top. It starts at the top down. 
And if the top can do it, then they, then they model it and they show the others that they can do it too. And then they feel safe. They're now in a safe space, the employees to also talk like that and also have those brave conversations. So, you know, we we refer to this as success skills and success skills are um, emotional intelligence and the communication skills uh, sometimes referred to as soft skills, Mm -hmm. but those communication skills and emotional intelligence. So first you have to come to something with empathy. If you're having that difficult conversation, empathize, understand as well that people are going to have different realities. Yes. So um, we, we talk about, and we give a very brief example. Uh, you and I, Kyle, are having a discussion at the Jersey Shore. You're visiting uh, down in Point Pleasant Beach, and we're standing at 5.30 in the morning, and we're both in the sand. The, uh, the ocean's coming up and lapping at us. The same temperature. We're listening intently to each other, so we're really paying attention, and we're talking and communicating well. You're facing directly east, and I'm facing west. We have a different experience. Yeah. No matter everything else that was going on, you're looking to, at that hour in the morning, a beautiful sunrise as it comes up and the glowing colors and the beauty, and I'm still facing west and looking at a dark sky. Right. I have a slightly different experience, and my reality and yours are going to be slightly different yeah. and slightly, slightly tainted, as it were, because of what I'm looking at versus what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, you come in and you have to understand that people have different realities. You have to come in with that empathy, understand what their experience has been. And yes, you have to be clear. That doesn't mean you don't call people on the carpet. It doesn't mean that you don't um, say the things have to be said, but you also want to have that understanding of what they're hearing and always ask for the feedback. What did you understand that I said? If you're communicating in a large organization, As the CEO, you may not be able to go to every employee, Mm -hmm. but you have a discussion with your your leadership team, your middle managers. Talk to them. Make sure they understood what was said and get the feedback. Then when they go out and they disseminate the information, you've got to ask some of the people that are in the rank and file what Mm -hmm. they understood to make sure that your intent was actually conveyed to them. Right. It's you can delegate duty, but not responsibility. And communication is the responsibility mm-hmm. of the senior leader. And you've got to take that responsibility very seriously, even if you have delegated the duty to help in the communication. Right, right. So if if I'm a leader out there now and I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, um, I think I'm doing a pretty good job, but uh, I recognize now that there are some gaps in the communication channels and the communication strategies um, in my organization or in my leadership style. What do we do about it? Um, what steps can we take? How do we develop this? Because it's such an intangible thing um, that, that we're talking about here. So what are some steps that someone can uh, take to help develop these skills uh, to, to create a healthier culture? You know, um, I guess the first is that we have a wonderful resource out there, which is the internet. We all have access to, and there's there's a lot written about things. Um, there are some uh, obviously uh, great books written about uh, about communication. So taking the time to simply start to think about it, to mm-hmm. address it, and to make it a priority uh, yeah. in, in your leadership, um, to simply start to try to pay attention better. And uh, to actively decide where you want to take 
your organization and the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see that there are, are other challenges, uh, if you see that uh, you're not making the progress, then uh, our company and, and others like us are there to uh, to really add value and to help you uh, move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, our view is that we we look at ourselves as uh, as trying to help people get their pilot's license. <laughs> they know how to how to run their company better than we do. Um, we're here for a specific reason. So if you have the issue, we're brought in. We help to bring forward the skills, the strategies, the tactics mm-hmm. that are needed to do a better job. And just like that pilot's license, you get your solo flight and you fly off. If there are other challenges and you want to get an instrument flight rating, et cetera, you're able to come back. Right. But our job is to bring those strategies and tactics and then allow them through some experiential training, through some uh, uh, active learning, to be able to get those settled into their uh, approach and then to be able to then take them forward and lead their company with them. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any, uh, do you have any resources out there or any recommendations of resources out there um, to help people develop these skills or kind of assess where they are right now? You know, um, uh, again, the, the, the issue is I think that each each individual or each company is going to be a little bit different. We come in with different skill sets. So as an example, when we come in to look at a company, and I don't mean to to, to pull back on this. Uh, I would love to um, uh, give you, well, here's, here's a, a stack of books and these are the best resources. Yeah. But, you know, for, for us, you know, we, we talk to the leadership. We understand who they are, what their, what their mission is, what their motivation is. Uh, we talk with the person in charge of uh, uh, human resources or talent. Um, talk to any team leaders that are there. And then we uh, make a decision on some assessment tools that, uh, that we may have uh, available to help us understand. And then we report back to that sponsor what the communication looks like in their company. And it's frequently different. It, um, different people have different experiences. They have different um, uh, levels of expertise. And therefore, it's, it's all just a, a, little, um, a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, if there was uh, one thing that I would suggest, it, it might be to look at uh, some of the literature on emotional intelligence. I think we all could improve our yeah. emotional intelligence. Um, simply paying attention to, uh, uh, to uh, the others on your team, um, whether they be uh, rank and file or, or other leaders, and actively listening and trying to understand, particularly when you don't – when when you feel that it's something that is not um, uh, necessarily in line with where you want to go, right. or maybe you've created the process and your immediate gut reaction is to reject it because you've done a great job, mm-hmm. that's really when it's most important to step back and really listen because there might be nuance in there that could really bring you to the next level. Yeah. And a, uh, another thing I want to add is uh, there are a lot of assessments out there. Mark and I use one in particular. It's called the Energy Leadership Index Assessment. Uh-huh. and Really, it's an attitudinal assessment. It's about a 20-minute assessment, and then we come in and we do a uh, about a 45-60 minute individual debrief on it. But it really helps an individual to understand the best way I can explain this is how they show up every day, because yeah. it's all about energy. what energy are you bringing to the table, and and how are you uh, leveraging it to be successful as a leader. Yeah. And um, again, there are other assessments out there. That happens to be one that that we 
we use and we find really effective. So if they're, if they're looking for tools and uh, not necessarily um, coaching or have training come in, right. I would say to turn to assessments for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. So um, before we get out of here, tell us, how can we learn more about um, you all and, and, and what you're able to provide in Twin Lights Consulting? Sure. Well, uh, you can find uh, Twin Lights Consulting at twinlightsconsulting.com. And essentially, if you're an organization with more than five people, um, you probably have some conflicting communication styles among people um, that lead to wasted time and therefore wasted money. We help groups like yours, teams like yours, companies like yours, get together on the same page and stop the leaking of time, energy, and focus. Yeah. And therefore, saving the company money, improving culture, making it a better and more cohesive team and a nicer place to work. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Well, Liz, Mark, uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is great information. I think it's incredibly valuable. Um, you know, for whether someone is striving to get into leadership or whether they sit here today in a leadership role, um, the, the communication, the paths of communication are so important to being successful and being seen and recognized as a, uh, as a good and strong leader. So um, thank you for sharing the information that you have with us today. And certainly, I want to encourage everybody, if you have um, you know, more questions, uh, please reach out to them. Go check out the website where you can get some good information there as well. And uh, thank you all so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day.